0: Just getting excited that Jeremy might be preaching today. I was just going to go sit back down. Before I get into the sermon today, uh, one more quick announcement. Um, and uh, man, we are blessed by our worship teams. Jeremy, thanks for leading. Mariah leads teams. Kaz. And of course, Taylor has been our worship director for the last four years. And great things have happened in that. Um, Taylor has worked and shaped things in so many ways with our AV, with the live stream, if you're watching on that and lights, and the music, and the teams. But Taylor and Rachel are moving to Harrisonburg, Virginia. And I told him (laughs) that that's a really long commute on Sunday mornings. Um, So uh, he has seriously has done a lot to help uh, our worship, and we're very thankful for that. They are moving this summer, probably in early July. They both graduated um, from JMU and have thought about moving to Harrisonburg time and so they will be uh, moving back out there and we pray for them and wish them the best we will miss them greatly uh, and pray that they will be a shining light for the kingdom in the Shenandoah Valley um, and we have excellent leaders and music teams that that will continue to lead us on as we search for our next director of worship there'll be more information coming up out about that actually Taylor and Rachel have written a letter that you'll see in the week to come and and um we'll search and they're not leaving yet so um we still get to enjoy them here for ministry and in presence for a while longer but just wanted you to be aware of that as you may hear uh it's it's now public news so we will miss them for sure but we're grateful for them as well um Today we are continuing the series in encountering Jesus, and while we kind of came to the end of John's Gospel, we kind of fast-forwarded to there for Easter season, we're going to back up now and look at chapters 15, 16, and 17. For the month of May Um, And so today will be chapter 15 And before I read it um, One of the things to um, tell you about Is that the Old Testament Uses the imagery of vines And vineyards frequently Particularly in Isaiah 5 And some other places as well And God says that his people Israel Is the vineyard that he has planted And then he expects them To then bear fruit Because he has taken them And planted them to bear fruit But the problem is that they had bad fruit at different times, and the prophets call them out for that. And then that theme of the vineyard is carried on into the New Testament, and Jesus picks up that theme here in John 15 and says that he is the true vine. Now, everybody that's listening to him who is Jewish and understands the Old Testament of what God was saying, that his people are the vineyard, and they should bear fruit, and here Jesus says that he's the true vine, what they are hearing is that Jesus is saying, I am the true Israel. I am the source and conduit of God's blessings and promises. That would have hit them heavy like, whoa, anything you say, if you're the true vine, we should listen to. What does that mean for us for life? And so as we read this passage, listen with those ears. Listen for the words that get repeated. Listen for what it means to be connected to Jesus, the true vine. So this is John chapter 15. You can follow along with me through verse 25. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of vine that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now that they, now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Father, I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word and use me as your servant to communicate the truth that is in it. Help each of us then to take that and by the power of your spirit walk in your ways, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, At our house, we don't have fruit trees, but we do have lots of flowers, some flowering vines and plants. Um, There's a flowering vine at the bottom of our lamp post by our driveway. And each year that, that vine begins to shoot up in the spring and it just kind of sprawls out all over the ground right there. And so what I have done is taken a piece of twine and tied it to the top of the lamppost and let it come all the way down to the bottom and just let it be there in the midst of that vine. And sure enough, in about three weeks now, it's been that vine has grown all the way up that and around the lamppost and, is, and is, will surround the lamppost and it'll bear beautiful flowers. Um, that will be glorious. Uh, It's had the right support structure. It's connected in the ground and has the nutrients and root uh, that it needs to grow and have life. I also recently cut a flower off of a plant for my wife in our front yard, a peony. And it was uh, in bloom like the bud was there, but but it wasn't open yet. So I cut it and brought it inside to put it for her so she could see it and have it And she told me that if you cut a peony, when the bud's there and it hasn't bloomed, it won't bloom. And I was sad. My plan was foiled. One is connected and growing on a structure to help it give shape and to flower. The other has been removed from its life source and won't bloom. This is what Jesus is telling us, that as followers of him, we must bear fruit. And that means that bearing fruit happens if we are connected to the true vine. That, that's the first point today that I want you to consider. That bearing fruit happens if you're connected to the true vine. One of the things that was repeated many times in there was the word fruit nine times. But then the other thing is abide. Eleven times it said abide in me, abide in me, remain in me, it might say if you're looking at the NIV. So... What Jesus is saying is, the only way you're going to bear fruit is if you're connected, is if you stay connected to me. He says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. There's no life if you get disconnected from me. He says in verse 5, in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can bear no fruit. It's pretty clear what he's saying there, right? Um, And he also says then that if you don't bear fruit, in verse 6, we can put that on the screen, he says that those that don't bear fruit get cut off and removed, right? That those branches are done away with and put in the fire. But he also talks about pruning in verses two and verse eight. Put verse two up there, if you would. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it more bear may bear more fruit. So there's the branches that bear nothing and are then taken away. There's branches that that are not maybe that are that are overcrowded with other branches that aren't bearing fruit the right way and he prunes to keep so that they become more fruitful and in verse 8 he says that my father is glorified you will bear much fruit and prove you are my disciples right so what he's saying is stay connected to me and when you do that you will bear fruit and that's proof that you are one of my followers one of my disciples and so that's I think fairly simple to understand but the question that begins to then probe at us that we have to ask of ourselves is Am I producing fruit? Am I fruitful? Do I have any fruit in my life? And if you're not sure, here's a dangerous thing you can do. Ask your spouse. And if you don't want to do that, ask a friend. (laughs) And if you don't want to do that, then you may just be like, I don't know if I want to know what's going on in my life. But ask, ask, what, what fruit do you see in my life? And you may be thinking, what if, what if I don't have any fruit? Does that mean, am I cut off? This language here, being cut off and being burned, is likely referring to the final judgment, right? When when Jesus says, okay, there will be this judgment, and, and those that didn't bear fruit, well, they will be assigned to their to their judgment, and those that did will be uh, brought into paradise and heaven. And if you didn't ever bear fruit, then you're not connected to the vine. But the, but the better question maybe to ask for you today is, am I being pruned? Am I being pruned? And how do you know? Well, one of the questions you can ask yourself is, is am, I, am I in the struggle? Do I feel the struggle? Th- that's a sign probably that you're in it, that you're connected. Are there parts of your life that you know have to change? Like, you know it. You're like, yeah, I really should change that. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to put the energy or effort into it, but I know that I should probably change that. That's the struggle. That's, that's a pruning that needs to happen. And pruning is uncomfortable, but it is helpful because what it does is it restores health. It restores health, healthy habits, and, 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 and gets unhealthy habits taken away and unhealthy attitudes taken away. So that we are formed more like Jesus, to be more loving like him. And you may be thinking, okay, but how do, how do I know which one it is? How do I know? Pruning restores health and produces fruit. So look for fruit. Look for fruit. And if you're thinking, I don't know, I don't know if I know Jesus, I, I just don't know if I have any fruit, then, then the thing you got to do instead of looking for fruit first is get connected to the vine. Ask Jesus, Jesus, okay, I need you. I'm lost without you. I'm not going to produce any fruit. I'm, I, I need to be forgiven of my sin. I need to be restored and brought into your family and into your kingdom. You got to be connected to the vine. And if you're connected to the vine, you will bear fruit. And my warning to you as a, as a preacher and as, a pa- as you're a pastor here today is to say that I've watched people drift away. I've watched people drift away or walk away from the church I've watched them formulate, um, uh, give up their formational habits of worship and prayer and Bible reading and Christian community. I've watched them grow lifeless and fruitless. And I'm warning you, be careful to not do that. Be careful. And you don't see it all at once. It comes like a slow drift. It's like it's a little bit of this here, it's a little bit of that there. And then you get months or years down the road and you're like, what's happened to my life? what's going on? Be careful. Be careful of that. And then recognize that Jesus still welcomes you back. He says, come home. Return to me. Come back. And then he will help you bear fruit. One of the things that we tend to do is we tend to compartmentalize life. And part of, the, part of this is good. This is a good thing for our brains. It helps us to, to put items and categories and move from task to task and actually get things done that we need to do. But we also tend to compartmentalize it then and to say, well, this area of life doesn't matter and doesn't affect this area of life. And we also do this spiritually quite frequently, thinking that whatever we do in our body doesn't affect us spiritually. But that's not actually true. And even scientists recognize that in saying that the body and the brain are connected and that, that, that we know there's those connections there. Um. Paul Lucemore was writing about how the body keeps score in an article that was published in By Faith, and he he says this While pursuing the pleasures of modern American life, many of us ignore the embodied cost of living counter to the kingdom of God. We don't notice the toll of ignoring embodied life. Shame is ignored, the next morning's hangover is justified. The disappointment of loneliness is submerged and the freedom of confession and assurance is avoided the longing for love and the acceptance ripples through us but it's dismissed as we indulge the idols set before us what he's saying is that kind of compartmentalization we just do these other things and over time we have this drift and i'm saying come back come back to jesus in him there is life. Come back to his people and demonstrate his love. If you weren't here at the very beginning of the service, one of the things you missed was Jeremy saying, I wish people were here on time at the beginning of the service. And that was not to bash you or shame you, right? We all know what happens and the kid has a blowout in the car on the way here and like there's a fight. Like I get it. We get it. The reason he was saying it, though, is because the very beginning of the service, what you hear is this wonderful invitation from God calling you to say, come, come to me, I'm here. I want you, I want you to rejoice in me. If you miss that and you walk in and the first thing you hear is confession, like, man, here's how bad I am, you're like, ah, no. But that comes after the invitation of God saying, come. And then we confess our sins and he takes care of it. And he restores us and says, you're good with me. So bearing fruit happens if you're connected to the true vine. Second point is this. Bearing fruit is demonstrated by love. We see this in verse 12, if you'd put that on the screen. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So Jesus makes this transition of being connected to the vine. And now he tells them, he says, I want you to obey my commands. Keep my commandments. And you're thinking, well... How does keeping commandments have anything to do with love? Well, Jesus obeyed his father's will and gave his life because he loved us. There's a connection. He obeyed and loved, right? Obeying is a sign that you love and respect Jesus and that you will love others too. And the commandment that he's specifically talking about here is The commandment to love one another. He's not saying none of the other commandments are important. He's saying, yes, they are important. But he's telling them ultimately right here as he's getting ready to leave, the thing you need to know is that you must love one another. And that's important for us to understand because there's kind of two ways we love in society. One is business-like love. You are like, what love is there in business? It's a fair question. Um, But transactional love. That is, I'll do this for you, you do this for me. We have this consumer relationship, this business transaction that we provide back and forth, and um, I love what you can do for me, so I love you, sure, until somebody else can do that better right and that 's a kind of love that a lot of people operate on, this transactional love, and it grows cold and stale and and doesn't last. but then there's sacrificial love the way Jesus loves that 's loving not to get something but simply to give. To bless the other and to love them the way Jesus has loved you. And that's fantastic kind of love. And it's even more fantastic when it becomes reciprocal. Right? If, if transactional love is what you do, it's reciprocated with transactional love. And it's kind of cold and distant and not understanding. But if sacrificial love is what you're doing and that's reciprocated, then you're loving for the benefit of the other and that comes back to you as loving for the good of you, not just for the other. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing that gives joy to life. Jesus, in fact, says, love one another so that your joy may be full. He says that's how you're going to find fullness of joy. Spiritual formation isn't just spiritual habits behind closed doors. No, that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying be connected to me behind closed doors. No, Jesus is saying that spiritual formation isn't just behind closed doors. It's open doors. It's life together with intentionality and consistency. That's why he's telling them, if you want this connection, you have to love one another. That's going to be fruit of being connected. So you need to be connected too. Not just to Jesus, but to his people in the church. Connected in ways that are outside your comfort zone, maybe. That's when it gets a little scary, like, oh, I don't know if I like that or not, but that, man, that's what a great opportunity to demonstrate love. That might be helping out with 3, 4, five. Twice a month, Sunday nights, to kids in 3rd, 4th, and 5th grade. Get that? three, four, five. It's not hard to do. They would love you to help, I'm sure. Lauren does a great job with that. Brett, Corey, others that are helping out with that. It's a great ministry here. Maybe it's VBS this summer. You could help out VBS for one week. Like go for the intense week and then like, okay, that's, that's what I did. That'd be awesome. Maybe you can help out with youth ministry, with youth retreats. You can be a leader on mission trips. Maybe you can help out with music. Maybe you can help out in the nursery. Maybe you can start a small group or maybe you'll be involved with real life or step and you'll, you'll do jobs for life and, uh, or a reading program. Whatever, any of those things that I'm listing there are kind of programs, right? Here's things we do. But what you need to see underneath the things we do are the people we love. Because ministry is not about programs, but it's about people. And it's about loving people well to help them come along as followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we're all about. And so when we talk about different programs, whether that's the spring or whatever it is, it's because we want to connect with people and show people what it looks like to love one another well. So here's a question to leave with you is this. Who and how do I need to love someone else simply because I love Jesus? In other words, not for what I can get out of it. Who do I need to love simply because I love Jesus? And what's that going to look like? Let me go to our third and final point today. That is this. That bearing fruit happens even when you are hated by the world. So as a recap, the first point was bearing fruit happens if you're connected to the true vine. The second point is bearing fruit um, is demonstrated by love. And the third is bearing fruit even when hated by the world. This is in verse 19. So let's look at verse 19. Jesus says, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. He's saying, look, it hated me. It's going to hate you too. There's a lot in here that could be explained in this passage that we just don't have time to look at today. But I want to hit a couple of things about this. And one of the questions I want you to ask of yourself in this text is, who's the world? If the world hated me, it's going to hate you. Who? Who? Who's the world? Is that the nasty evil pagan Romans? Yeah, they they crucified him for sure. But who wanted him dead? The the people whom he grew up with. From his hometown. It was the Jewish people, it was the, the leaders of Israel, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, wanted Jesus dead. They didn't want anything to do with them. They wanted them gone. They're not bearing fruit. They are not the true Israel. This is why Jesus says he is the true Israel, the true vine. If you love Jesus, on some level, those who don't love Jesus will show some kind of hate to you, is what Jesus is saying. They will oppose you, they will persecute you. Plan on it there was an interesting article written maybe a year or so ago by Aaron Wren um, called Three Worlds of Evangelicalism in America. And he talks about these three worlds, the positive, the neutral and the negative. And he said pre-1994 in America, the world was generally positive towards Christians. And his argument is that, you know, in in that time in that day, it was, uh, Christianity was dominant in terms of uh, most people identifying with it at least. Um, The, um, it was an acceptable thing, and it was even beneficial. If you went to church, that was considered beneficial. You would be trusted. You you might be looked upon with some level of approval in that way. Uh, it would You'd be viewed positively. But then there's the neutral time, he says, from 1994 to 2014, those 20 years, where society's morals changed swiftly. And becoming being a Christian at that point didn't help you. Like, it's okay. It was kind of neutral, but in most places, and at least in most places around America, it was not going to be a helpful thing to you. Now, that might not be quite as true in the Bible Belt and some places like that, but generally it was just like, it's neutral. It's not going to help you, doesn't really hurt you. But he makes the case that since 2014 to the present, you're facing a world where being a follower of Jesus is from neutral to negative, depending on where you live. You're facing a world that is neutral to negative it's unfashionable and I'm telling you that because some of you may already know that and feel it and the younger generation that's growing up with this students you know it you feel it the 20-somethings you know it you feel it too it's not fashionable it's not what everybody wants to do but it's also very similar to being like one of the original disciples of Jesus because they were growing up in a world that was negative too that was persecuted where people came after him where it wasn't accepted where it was unfashionable but they decided to love like Jesus and they changed the world Even if following Jesus is unfashionably negative, we must follow Jesus and love others. It's what Jesus has called us to do. For those of you who are thinking right now like, I don't know, maybe I just shouldn't follow Jesus if this is the cost. I just want to be loved and accepted. I want to fit in. I want to have my people. I just want to do life and have people not bother me. It's just easier to go along with the way of the world if that's what you're thinking don't be fooled by the world don't be fooled by the world notice how quickly in the things I just went through from Aaron Wren about every 20 years and less as the world accelerates in information knowledge and technology it changes you might think I'm just gonna fit in with the world that's great it's gonna change on you and you're not gonna fit in again it always changes it's a changing place. And it'll lead you, it'll be like in a washing machine where you're just being tumbled around trying to figure out which way is up and going, I thought I was with the world, now I'm not. It's changed on me again. What's going on? Right? They will love you one moment and run over you the next in cancel culture. And I don't, I don't mean that pejoratively. I just mean that as a matter of fact. We see it. And we see it happen, Not even, Christians or not, whoever you were, you were good for a while, The next cycle comes along and you've been put aside and we're moving on to the next thing. And that's kind of what happens with that. Without the love of Jesus, what happens is people become power hungry. You get used. Yeah, you might belong to the gang for a little while until you don't. When people quit believing in Jesus, they don't believe in nothing. They believe in whatever helps make sense of their life. And delivers them power to succeed. That's what they'll do. And that will become the new religion. That there's a history in the world of that. You can watch that throughout the history of the world. Christianity at times has been misused and abused. Used wrongly. For those things. And it's shameful that that has happened. But only Jesus comes to lay down his life. In an act of love. And only Jesus is the one who does that for his people. As followers of Jesus, then what we are called to do, what Jesus is saying is saying, obey me, follow me in my ways, especially in my way of love and showing love to one another. I mean, we see these epic stories portrayed out across our screens, right? Yellowstone, are you part of the family? Gangs, the Peaky Blinders, right? Coronations of Kings, Charles, I mean, that's been going on for thousands of years. Charles isn't going to live forever. There's only one, only one family, only one kingdom, only one king, Jesus, who goes on forever and ever and doesn't change and offers his love to you yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he says, come to me, because I am the one thing that can be constant. I'm the one thing that will love you when you have failed me. Everybody else will cancel you. I am the one. That you need to be connected to for life. And I am the one that will actually help you bear fruit and give you joy in life. And maybe the last word here is that you're thinking, I don't know, I've already blown it. Remember the disciples here? They're like, we're in. But remember the last few weeks of sermons? They were out. They abandoned them, betrayed them, denied them. But they come back, they abide. And Jesus prunes them and they bear fruit that's not too late for you. Those seasons of pruning happen and it takes seasons to grow fruit. But abide. Come back to Jesus. If you want a couple of takeaway questions, ask yourself this. One, where am I bearing fruit? Two, whom am I loving with the love of Jesus? And just as a reminder, when following Jesus is unfashionable, remember fashions Change and Jesus doesn't. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you will help us with the power of your Spirit, the helper who you have sent, that we'll see more about next week. That you will help us to be people who love well like you have loved us through Jesus, your Son. That you will help us to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The ushers can come forward to collect the off